Our Old Testament reading this morning is taken from the first book of Samuel, second chapter, the first 11 verses. Hannah prayed and said, my heart exults in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly, let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes the poor and makes rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might does one prevail. The Lord... His adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah while the boy remained to minister to the Lord in the presence of the priest Eli. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke. First chapter, verses 39 through 56. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for the light of Christ that has come into the world, 
that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not and cannot overcome it. Would you dawn among us this morning as we sit with your scriptures that our light, that your light may flood our minds and our hearts and our souls, that we would be renewed in your presence, that our hearts would burn within us as your spirit draws us toward you. Would you open our ears to hear your voice this morning, open our minds to perceive what you would have us to learn, and renew our will that we may walk in your ways. We pray all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So Advent, here we are. It's uh, the beginning of the season. And every year as we begin Advent, we try to tease out the difference between this season as we, as we observe it in the church and want to live into it as, a, as an act of devotion on one hand, and then this other sort of tis the season, Christmas season vibe that's always going around this time of year, right? I mean, if you just parked in the parking garage this morning, you, you may have noticed, or at least you will, as you return to your car through the parking elevator, the giant tree is in the Liberty Place Mall, right? The music's already on, the, the Christmas movies are already coming out, there's some new ones on Netflix, there's some old favorites, of course. It's like, it's that time of year. And for some, it is that most wonderful time of the year, right? For some, it's just like you hear jingle bells and you're like Pavlov's dog. You're salivating. You're like, where do I spend money? Show me. What can I buy? Uh, <clears throat> for others, this is a profoundly lonely time of year. It's the darkest season. The holidays uh, accentuate our experiences of loss. The empty chair at the table is even more felt. The Disappointments of life perhaps loom larger, even as just the days are shorter, it's darker, and it's often a really ha sad time for many this time of year. We just need to acknowledge that, that these things are happening all around us. This is that time of year. And what we always try to tease out at the beginning of our Advent observance in the church is this difference between escaping and engaging in Advent. Because for many of us, this is the time of year that's calling for escape. Some of you want to escape into the Christmas season, right? It's like, just get into the sentimentalism, get into the celebrations, the holiday parties, the eggnog, the spending, Chevy Chase movies, whatever. You, you want to escape into it. Others want to escape from it. Just let me pull the covers over my head and tell me when it's over. It's just a sad time of year. But Advent gives us an invitation to engage. It's not an escapist move, but to practice Advent is to engage an actual season of preparation. Because Advent is about preparing ourselves for Christ. Now, we might talk about Advent as preparing for Christmas, and you've, you, met, you may have an Advent calendar. My mom just sent us one. It's like the Harry Potter Lego one where every, every day you open a door and there's like a new thing and the scene builds for 25 days, right, from December 1 to, to Christmas Day. Uh, and there's this way of preparing for Christmas and, the, you know, the, all the, the kitsch and stuff that goes along with that. And that can be kind of fun. But... The opportunity that is before us at Advent is not simply to like count down the days until Christmas, but as we do that, and as we are preparing for that great celebration, to lean into this season as an opportunity to prepare for Christ who will come again. 
to recognize that Advent actually gives us a window into our reality to help us see something about where and when we live that becomes obscured often. And the reflection quote in the beginning of your bulletin uh, speaks to this very nicely. Fleming Rutledge says, in a very real sense, the Christian community lives in Advent all the time. It can well be called the time between because the people of God live in the time between the first coming of Christ incognito in the stable in Bethlehem and his second coming in glory to judge the living and the dead. Advent contains within itself the crucial balance of the now and the not yet that our faith requires. As we prepare for Christmas, let us prepare for Christ. And to engage in the Advent season is to engage in this practice of preparation, of being a people who are watching and waiting for the Lord. Be a people who actually live expectantly in the day-to-day -day realities of our lives. Pastor and theologian Mark Sayers describes expectancy as maybe the greatest countercultural act of revolution that we can take up in an age of cynicism. An age of cynicism where you think you've got it all figured out. You know how this is going. You've seen this movie before. We know how this goes. There's no hope. Expectancy says something very different about the world. And in Advent, we practice expecting the Lord to come. And when we expect the Lord to come, we live differently in the world. When we find ourselves, when he finds us, may he find us watching and waiting, right? That's the Advent hope and discipline. And to orient us to this Advent season, we're, we're looking at these songs in the Gospel of Luke. Luke tells the story of the birth of Jesus so beautifully and we get several songs that appear in this narrative. And here we begin looking at Mary's song. If you know the story, you know, the angel Gabriel has appeared to Mary and has told her that the Lord has chosen her to bear the Messiah, that she will become the mother of the anointed one. And Mary, if you know the story, eagerly and quickly says, yes. Right? It's this here am I, send me kind of response. It's not what we got from Moses at the burning bush, the oh, please anybody but me. It's this blessed response of a humble servant who is open and willing and ready when the Lord calls. And Mary becomes this uniquely honored and blessed figure in the story whom the Lord has chosen to carry out this very particular part of the mission she's going to become the mother who bears in her own body God, who bears in her own body the hope of the world and will carry him into the world as the mother of Jesus. And so here in this scene, Mary, who is pregnant, miraculously, she travels to Elizabeth, who is also pregnant, miraculously. Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist, Mary the mother of Jesus, and there they are. And as the story goes, when Mary arrives at Elizabeth's house, the prophet in Elizabeth's womb leaps 
at the recognition of the Messiah in Mary's womb. And there's this miraculous baby to baby, mom to mom moment that's happening here. And the Holy Spirit is just all over all of this to where when Mary arrives, Elizabeth carrying John is able to perceive in Mary this blessedness and she's able to testify to the goodness of the Lord. It's just this beautiful, beautiful story. And it, it's, it's so full of the mystery of God and how God has chosen to write himself into the human story as a person. And Mary becomes the bearer of Christ in this great story. The song that Mary sings is really the primary focus for us this morning as we consider how we might become a more expectant people this Advent. And Mary responds to Elizabeth's response with this song. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. We just sang many of these words in the musical version that we, that we just had in our service. But as you hear it, as you read it, especially as you read it right after we read Hannah's song, the, the similarities just jump off the page, don't they? You hear Hannah's song echoed in Mary's song. And what you realize is that Mary, she is so formed in the scriptures of Israel. She knows her Bible so well that as she's rejoicing in this moment, what she basically offers is a psalm of praise. The structure of Mary's song, it, it fits the same kind of structure of a psalm of praise where you see the same kind of parallelism in the verses if we wanted to get into all the, the forms and literature and stuff. But she erupts in this collage of Bible verses structured as a psalm of praise where what's flowing out of her is the very word of God itself. As she's carrying in her womb the word of God made flesh, she's offering from her lips the word of God inspired that she's read and heard and recited all her life. It's a picture of reversal where the powerful are brought low and the rich are sent away empty where the proud are brought low. It's actually a very similar picture to what we get in the Exodus story, right? We just spent all fall in the book of Exodus where the people of God, the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt and then the Lord by his mighty arm delivered them. He brought down the might of Pharaoh and all the armies and lifted up his, low, his lowly servant. He brought them through the sea and did miraculous things and he fed them with miracle food in the desert, right? Gave them miracle water in the desert. Gave them his law and finally his presence. And what we see here is that that story that we've been reading all fall about the Exodus, that story has been continuing and it continues here into this new chapter. God is still in the business of delivering his people. He's still in the business of restoring his creation to his original dream for it, that all things would thrive, that everyone would be in their right place, that love and justice and peace and wholeness would prevail in the earth. And just as he acted in the past, he's acting again. And when he does, Mary is ready. She's quick to say yes 
even though what God is calling her to do will be very difficult. She doesn't even know how difficult yet, but she already can tell that it's gonna be pretty difficult because she's miraculously pregnant and not yet married in a world where that's probably not gonna go real well without Joseph also being on board with what's God, what, what God is doing. You know the story, it's familiar. We, we recite it and we rehearse it every year. But what we get here in this song is Mary recognizing her own blessedness, that the Lord has chosen her to play this unique role in this greatest story ever told, the story of God's making all things new. And what you see is this movement in the song from the one to the many. It starts off with Mary talking about her own blessedness. And by the time you get to the end of it, it's not Mary's blessedness, but Israel's blessedness. Because the hope that she recognizes here is the hope of the people of Israel. He has helped his servant Israel, verse 54, in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. You see, back in the Abraham story, which is kind of where, where it all begins, if you want to go back and just read the whole story, God picks this one guy out of the scattered multitudes, and he gives him the name Abraham, and he says, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. I will bless you so that in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that's the movement of the story all the way through, blessed to be a blessing. God chooses, God blesses, God empowers, and makes his people an instrument of his blessing. And that family of Abraham grows over time to become the people of Israel. And then from within the people of Israel, now we're having a Messiah who will be the blessed one among the blessed ones, who from the one to the many, the blessing will flow. And Mary's recognizing that that same movement from the one to the many is true of her that her blessedness is going to result in the blessing to many. And as you and I begin to think about what it means for us to live into the Advent story, to prepare ourselves for Christ, to become a people who are expectant that God will show up and God will act. I think what that's gonna call our attention toward is this realization that Jesus is uniquely blessed so that we would all be blessed in him. But as we are, <coughs> excuse me, as we are blessed in him, as God's people are joined to Jesus and become participants with him in this life of God in the world, we share in his blessedness, which is glorious and good and worth celebrating in and of itself but it doesn't stop there because we're blessed to be a blessing. That's what God has been doing this whole time, renewing a humanity to be his blessed one so that through God's people, all the world would be blessed. Ultimately, that whole project centers on Jesus, the one who is God in person in our world, the word made flesh who dwelt among us, who lives as the blessed one, who dies the cursed death, yet is raised again from the dead and given an irreversible blessing by the Lord and enthroned as the king of heaven and earth and sends his spirit to us. But we are joined to him 
And we are now invited into his great work of making all things new. That as we share in his blessedness, because he's gracious to share it with us, we're also now enfolded into his mission. Blessed to be a blessing. That through us, the flow of life and, and goodness and love would be on the move from God to the ends of the earth. And so as we begin to think about how do we prepare ourselves for Christ this Advent, lean into the blessedness of being joined to Jesus. Open yourself up to him. You exist in union and communion with the risen Lord who has made you, who holds all things together, who loves you and is with you and is attentive to you. And there's a vast ocean of blessedness that is available to you. Enter, receive, rejoice, know it, savor it. Savor the Lord who loves you and is with you and is ready for you. Show up like Mary, here I am, Lord, yes. And as you do that, recognize that the blessedness, it's for you and for more than you that you get the distinct honor and we as a community have the distinct honor of being involved with God in this great work of extending the blessing. And so our job is to become expectant, to actually expect that the Lord will do that if and when we lean in and get involved. Practice being the blessing practice being the blessed one. We've talked a lot about how Jesus comes as this better Moses figure to lead a greater and better Exodus, right? And that's a, that's a very true and important thing. The book of Hebrews makes a big deal about Jesus being this better Moses. But even before we get Jesus as the better Moses, we get actually, we get Mary as a better Moses first. She's not the climactic ultimate Moses figure. That's Jesus. He's the ultimate but Mary is this willing servant in a way that Moses was the reluctant servant, right? They're both important. They're both used by God. But what we see in Mary is this willingness, this eagerness, this trust to just do whatever God would have her to do. And so she is an exemplar to us in a very real sense. And we should, as we celebrate this Christmas story, we should remember the blessedness of Mary and we should, we should lean into her example as one who shows us what it looks like to say yes to the Lord. And of course, Mary's whole life was in service to him and then recognizing in her son when he arrives on the scene and, and, and then especially when he's fully grown and begins his, his messianic ministry, she recognizes that Jesus is this special one, this unique one whom God has anointed to be the savior of the world. And her life is aimed toward supporting him, honoring him in her unique way as a mother, but in her also general way as a disciple. And so as we look to Mary, who looks to Jesus, she'll show us what it looks like to look to Jesus this Advent as well. So let us, this Advent, enter in. Rather than just simply escaping into the tinsel and the tunes of the Christmas season, Let's engage because the Lord who is involved in it all is inviting you to lean in. 
The Lord who loves you, who came into the world as Jesus Christ to live and die and be raised and to save us all. He's inviting you and inviting me to lean in, to watch, to wait, to prepare, to expect, and to reorder our lives in a way that fits the reality that we live between Advent and Advent. We live between Christ has come and Christ will come again. May the flavor of our life reflect that reality and that hope. May Mary's hope and praise be on our lips as well. And may the Lord, when he comes, find us watching and waiting. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for the mystery of the gospel of Jesus. We thank you that you did not leave the weary world to simply weep in despair, but you chose to lean in toward us. You chose to come down. You chose to be born among us as a person. You chose to come to us through Mary as the Christ to love us, to bind yourself to us, to die with us, to rise for us so that we might go with you to where you're headed rather than simply to follow the trajectories of our lives away from you. So would you mystify us once again with the incredible glory of your love and your power? Would you draw us in this advent to, the, to that mystery and to that hope? And would you change us? As we practice preparing for you, would you change us by your Holy Spirit, raising us with Christ so that we might, like Mary, be blessed to be a blessing. We pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen.